Hello, you're listening to Abiding Life Studios. I'm Noah Wells, and today in the studio I have Mike Yankee, and he is from Colorado Springs. And I have Tracy Wolf, and he's from California. I have Lewis uh, Wolf, and he is from Colorado Springs. Thanks, Noah. Thank you. Thanks, Noah. Yeah. Glad to be here. Um, so today, I believe Tracy Wolf is going to start us out. He has couple things he's been coming up with and he's going to talk to us about it okay well uh for a little while here we're going to talk about our vision um a few years ago at least in california and maybe all over the country it seemed as though there was pretty much of a push on to have a vision uh, if you went to a church it was important to know what that church's vision was what the lead pastor's vision was we even had a term for it it was called that person was the vision caster uh, for the church and i'm not really finding fault with any of that that's okay if folks want to do that uh, i have no problem with it but it got to be where you know if it was almost uh, super important uh, that you could identify what that was and then i don't know if people made decisions about attendance there or whatever if they liked the program they liked the vision and uh, probably all of them, for the most part, were good things. I'm not suggesting that they weren't at all. But uh, even had that question come our way a couple of times in the, when we were in the pastorate. And um, we had started out our fellowship, I thought, on the, on the foundation and the footing of Jesus, uh, him alone being our vision. And he was and he is, and that we want to keep it that way. And rather than, you know, maybe focusing on something else other than him, uh, bringing in um, other things that might detract from keeping him central. I came up with a little vision of our own. Uh, it's just called, I've just called it our vision. It's what we've used for our church in Uganda, King's Resurrection Center. And it's just simply built on uh, his name, J-E-S-U-S. And, and it goes something like this. Um, J would stand for justified. Uh, justified by faith in his shed blood. Uh, if you were to look in Romans 5, uh, for instance, you can read that scripture where it talks about that, you know, by we have peace with God because we have faith in Christ. Well, the question comes in is really, do we? Do we really have peace? Or are we still, you know, messing around with um, things that tend to detract and allowing ourselves to be drawn away from it by things that come into our life? The scripture we have in mind here is, Romans 5, 1, where it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Christ, our, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, do we really have peace? And if we don't, why not? Maybe we've gotten away from just keeping things simple, keeping things focused on Christ, and realizing that we have been justified, so where's this peace we're supposed to have? He goes on to say in this same chapter, uh, we'll just pick it up in, in verse 9, uh, for instance, where he says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So it gets into the old thing about are you saved by the life of Christ or are you saved by the death of Christ? Well, if you ask the average 
Christian, uh, probably they're going to say, well, we're saved by the death of Christ. And we know what they mean when they say that. And that's true to an extent, because without him shedding his blood, which is our point here, we have faith in his shed blood, therefore we're justified. So it, it is in fact true, but it's also true and probably more so true in verse 10, where he says "But now we're saved by his life, the life that we contain in this earth and vessel that we have, as Paul would say, that life is what keeps us saved on an ongoing basis day to day. And if I lose, if I lose my peace, knowing I'm justified, if I don't have peace, why not? Something that I've probably allowed, or you or somebody you may know, has allowed something into their life that's caused them for the moment, for whatever long however long it may have been, to walk in the flesh. And therefore, for that brief time, they have lost their focus upon Jesus being their vision. Uh, We want to keep him foremost in our thoughts, foremost in what we're doing at church. Everything that happens around church and in church needs to come through this little outline right here. And anything you want to do for the community, for the youth group, for charity, for whatever it might be, outreach programs, God bless you through all of that. They're wonderful. But let's be sure that we've got uh, the horse where it belongs, and that's ahead of the cart and not behind it, and keep things flowing in the right direction. So we're justified by faith in his shed blood, and that's so important for us to remember then because of that, it says we have, we now have peace. And the question that, again, I have because too many times speaking for myself, I'm bogged down by the things I traffic in in this life, the things I have to deal with in this life. First thing you know, I'm all fuzzed up about something. Mm-hmm. And, and right, and for the moment, I don't know if you guys are like that, but for the moment, man, there ain't no peace to be found. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And what happened to it? What happened to it? was we lost our focus mm. for that, for that, however long that was, situation, circumstance came into our life, something that was probably that we had no control over and sometimes maybe was self-inflicted. But nevertheless, for, for that period, uh, we're walking as if we're not justified or we're, we're walking as if we don't have peace because we've forgotten. You could say another way. You could say we've, we've forgotten who we are in him, who he is in us, and what that means for our, our life day to day. And uh, we're here on the earth, it's gonna be messy at times. But if we have the basic foundation of this message of the cross, Christ's life, our life in him, his life in us, what that means to us, and get in touch with it on a regular basis and begin to practice it. I remember uh, Mike used an example of learning how to drive a stick shift car. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not gonna do that on the freeway at five o'clock. You're going to go someplace where it's nice and easy and gentle and, you know, you learn how to shift it, how to make it move. Same way with this life we're talking about in Christ. You have to take it on and begin to learn about what all these things mean. So we're justified by faith, therefore we have peace. Amen. Do we? If not, why not? So it sounds like there's a very direct link between the justification and peace. Can you draw that out a little bit more? Well, I don't know if I can, but I can tell you that if you're if you're if you're not justified and you don't have peace, you got a place to start, because maybe the Lord's beginning to knock upon your door of your heart and and, and realize that there's something that's amiss in there that you need to you need Him in your life. You you've tried all all kind of other things to gain this peace or this satisfaction or whatever from life and you're coming up empty you're coming up short that's why people do all kind of different things they self-medicate they get involved with 
you know, all sorts of stuff that is not good for them, be it drugs, be it whatever, and all trying to fill a void that only Christ can fill. And when we finally realize that we're justified, we don't have to worry about not being justified. I don't know if a non-Christian ever thinks about that. Maybe they don't. But, but, but there's something missing in their life that they notice. And what it is, we believe, coming from our faith-based belief, that that missing part is, is the life of Christ. And we gain that by having faith in his shed blood. So we're justified by that. And therefore, we ought to, we have the privilege of, and we should walk in the peace that he gives from just that knowledge, along with the other things we'll cover here in a little bit. I know sometimes as uh, Christians we get, you know, we throw these big words around that are in the Scripture. Um, is there another word uh, that you would use for the for a person instead of the word justified? Because that seems like just a religious mumbo-jumbo word to most people. Yeah, unfortunately, that's probably true. Um, it's just made right, put right, uh What's wrong with you has been fixed. Uh, you no longer under condemnation. If you're justified, you're not condemned. Right. So would you would write with, uh, if we could translate this religious word into something that people could use, could you say write with God? Yes, you could. That would be so very... I would think that even non-believers will struggle with that. They might not struggle with justification, but they probably struggle, maybe not all the time, but at least subconsciously with thinking, well, I'm not right with God, so and they do whatever they want to do because of that, and they think it's there's no hope. Right, right. So, Yeah, that, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, right, and you're just being right because, uh, they're, again, they're, you know, folks who don't know him aren't. And they, they Hopefully they sense that in their spirit. They see the lack. They see the need, and they'll come to faith, and that is obviously our goal. Uh, what we try to do as, as uh, preachers of the word, teachers of the word, is trying to get people to recognize their need of salvation and say yes to the offered faith that we can have in him. So then the, the next one here is just this, is E, J-E, and we've sort of taken maybe a, what might seem to be a little bit of a harsh uh, position on that when we say that that stands for, in our little outline here at least, as execution of self on the cross. And the classic scripture for that, uh, you Bible students will recognize immediately, you're probably, I almost hesitate to quote it because it's so, it can be so, um, uh, what's the word, um, cliched or running the ground or whatever. Uh, but it's very needful, particularly if we're going to walk this life with him. Execution of self on the cross is in Galatians 2.20, where Paul says, For I am crucified with Christ, but yet I live. But not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's not I, but Christ. It's that idea. We're no, we're, we're no longer living this life on our own. He's living it with us, for us, through us. And that old part of us that we like to term in the self, he doesn't soup it up. Again, you've probably heard these terms before. He doesn't really uh, change you. He wants to exchange you. He wants to 
kill that old part of you with Christ on the cross. And that has happened for those of us who have been justified by faith. You know, it's easier for us to believe that Christ was crucified in 38, 30 AD because we read it in the scripture. We say, oh yeah, we know the gospel narrative or if we're Bible students, we do. And if you're not, you can go find it in the Bible. It's easy to find where Christ was crucified in the Bible. And most of us have no problem believing that, particularly if you are a believer in Christ. But it's much more difficult for us to believe that we were crucified with him. Mm. And yet it's the same Bible. It's the same English language. It's, it's, it, has, it has the same weight as all the other things about Christ in the Scripture, where he tells us that we were crucified with him. And we have trouble wrapping our arms around that and our minds around it because we really can't feel it. It's just kind of an intellect or a knowledge thing that you have to believe. And you may get some spiritual feeling from that once you make it your own. But uh, there's a point where we just have to look at it and believe what the Word says. I think that's one of the issues that many Christians have is they come to the Word and they read it. And for some reason, they fail to take it at at its face value. Mm. They'll say, well, that's talking about somebody else. Because, you know, that can't really be me. I mean, they don't have any number of reasons why that may not fit them because of their past, well, things that they've done, whatever. And yet, uh, when we read what Christ tells us about himself, about who we are, who he is, we need to just take those things at face value and account them. Paul says in, in Romans that you reckon them to be so. And even if it goes against what we're feeling, We've got to go with the facts of the word, and that sometimes is a challenge. We'll just freely admit that. So that's true. And again, in Romans 6, he talks about that as well. Uh, in Romans 6, uh, if you were, we'll just read a few verses there where he kind of brings this out again. Same principle. Romans 6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin. And then he goes on down there there then and a little later. For, for we know that Christ being raised from the dead, verse 9, will never die again. That death has no more dominion over him. And he talks somewhere in there about being raised. If we die with him, maybe it's 14. Which verse am I looking for here? 14. 14. Read it for me. If you got it. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Okay. So. We've been crucified with Christ on the cross, uh, execution of self on the cross, just count it to be so. And when you walk in the flesh for a period of time, admit it. Mm-hmm. God knows it. He's not put off by it. You just admit it and get back to where you need to be, focused on him again and realizing that for that brief hopefully brief period of time uh, we were walking in the flesh and admit it and apply the correction that he wants to bring into our life uh, because this is the truth of who we are. We're justified. We have, we've had ourselves executed with Christ on the cross, Galatians 2.20. And we need to move on into that and allow it to be true to us. So, so the, uh, the execution of self, um, maybe it's helpful to understand who does it. Do you do it to yourself? Does, is, it, is it something we need to learn to believe that's true, it's already happened? I guess describe what that execu- a little bit more about that execution and and I think it's important to realize that when it happened and, and who has done that work. 
Those are all really good questions. I wish I had better answers for them. <laughs> well, let me let me ask a because I had kind of a question and I might be asking it just a little bit different than you, Lewis. But so earlier we were talking about simplifying this and uh, to be justified uh, means that we're to be made right with God. So do you think that Galatians two twenty is talking about? Uh, uh, could it be also read as? This old man that was not right with God has been put to death. And the new man that we are is that right man. Now that now that is who we are. So it's not so much that we're trying to kill off something that, that we don't want in our lives anymore, but we're to reckon it, mm-hmm. that old person that was not right with God, we're to reckon that to be dead. And now we're to reckon the new life that Christ has provided through his gift of righteousness, through his death, burial, and resurrection has now brought us into this new life. That's what we're to reckon. Um, and that's what the whole dying to self is. Not not killing, not fighting our sin nature, but reckoning that the old unright man is dead and the new right man is good. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, you can use the the term old self or the old man interchangeably here with the self we're talking about. So yeah, that what you said is very true. Yeah, and as far as your question, Lewis, uh, you can't do it. To, I mean, you can't physically crucify yourself. Yeah, and I think Watchman Nee makes that point. He does. You know, crucifixion is not a method of suicide. Mm-mm. So the, the the death of ourselves is we're not responsible for that ourselves. Right. But God's done it already for us in the death of Christ. And like Mike said, be, to begin to reckon that and realize that's true, I think is really where, you know, we start to go from this point of justification onto a path. You know, of sanctification. Right, and that's the good news. That's right. That's the that's the go- that's what the gospel is all about. Right, absolutely, and that, uh, you know, so it 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 comes to us, uh, and we'll talk about maybe at another time. It comes to us as we learn to walk in Him and grow in Him, and it sort of comes to us in one revelation at a time. You know, God gives us a little bit now, a little bit later as we move on in Him. So yeah, we can't crucify ourselves. It's something that we have to recognize, if we can use that word, that it's been done for us mm-hmm. and that the, the whole idea of accounting it or reckoning it to be so, Paul talks about that in another place as well in Romans, that you reckon these things to be so. It's like, it's like um, I think Nee again has an example of, you know, having um, so much money in your bank account. Well, you, you know, so, and the reckon is a, is a banking term. You know, you, you reconcile your accounts. You can't spend money you don't have, or if you do, you won't go very far. Right. <laughs> so you need to, it's the same principle. You reckon that that's true of you. You have this in your bank account, so to speak, in your life. That, that has been deposited there in you, for you, uh, by simply your faith in Christ. And, and it takes us a while to get our arms around that. But it's true. And and when we see ourselves beginning to be um, self-motivated or when all of a sudden self takes over and we fly off in a rage about something, whatever it is, those of us who know the Lord, I believe that he will, you know, he'll make that aware to us. He'll say, wait a minute. You know, he'll get our attention somehow and bring us back to where we realize that that really is no longer who I am anymore. And, you know, we used to, Paul, Mike used to talk about when the, when you have the conversion experience and all this becomes true of you in a moment, really, uh, you look the same, but you're not the same, right? And you, right. you're now a different person in, in, in Christ. 
but you know, still you still look the same, you're still the same height, all that. But but yet you've been changed from the inside out, and that's the change that makes a difference because all the changes we try to put on from the outside in wind up in failure. They just don't work. Yeah, one of my favorite verses that I've I have underlined in my Bible here is Romans five seventeen. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And, and there's an active receiving of a gift, and it's, it's, that goes back to the whole reckoning. We have to receive that into our account in order for us to reign in life and to have the peace of God. Right. Yeah, you, you're jumping ahead. That, that'll come up in the last S here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine because you're, you're exactly right. We're going to get there. I've got that, you know, down with the last S of the alliteration here. But, yeah, it's so true. You know, we, we have the ability to do that in him. Uh, uh, I've made the comment before, and maybe you'll know what I'm talking about when I say too many days I live my life like I'm being rained upon, R-A-I-N. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, somebody's raining on my parade, or this has happened to me and shouldn't have happened to me, and that's not good. And that's why, you know, I live that kind of a life for a while until I realize, wait a minute, Scripture tells me I should be raining, not being rained upon, right. because I'm his child, and, and allowing that to be resident, called up in the computer of my heart and mind. Uh, you know, and Paul says in Romans 12, you know, you need to reboot that computer. And in today's terms, he says in the scripture, so you need to renew your mind. Well, that's the same thing. We need to renew that whole program of how we live life before. And now that we have this new life in Christ, that's a whole different program. Yeah. And it takes a while to get that thing up and running. Yeah. Sorry oh. for skipping ahead. No, no, you, you, that's <laughs> fine. I appreciate it. We'll get there. Okay, so we can move on then uh, to the first S here, which we have suggested, at least in the out, for the outline here, is sustained by the Holy Spirit. Um, or another way of saying it is, is we're kept uh, by the Spirit of promise. And that's John 14, if anybody might be there. Uh, the one verse that will sort of speak to that is the 26th verse of John 14, the Gospel of John. A lot of things in John that we need to camp on. Well, maybe we'll talk about that another time. There's a lot that he tells us in the Gospel of John that are just really good when you're trying to guard against uh, stumbling and even says in chapter 16. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But in this verse, um, get my eye on it. Somebody have it, 26 or 14? But, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance of all that I have said to you. Amen. He will teach you a few things? All things. All things. It says all things, doesn't it? Well, that's a lot. I mean, all is all. There's nothing left out of all. I don't know if he's, I mean, you could say, well, he really has a time. I don't know much about some things. But when it comes to things of the Spirit and the things of Christ's life, his life in you, if you'll, you know, a Pay attention and, and learn from him like he tells us to do in Matthew there. Learn of him. You know, he's got an easy burden and a light yoke. Begin to learn of him. He'll teach us all things and bring them. And that's what's really cool about this. He'll bring them to your remembrance. And when does he do that? Well, he does that when you need it. He'll, he does that when you're about to take a move to the left or to the right. And, you know, you'll hear there's a scripture in Isaiah says, you know, if you move to the left or the right, you'll hear him in your ear saying, this is the way, 
walk in at Isaiah 31, I believe it is, somewhere back there in Isaiah, where he's talking about hearing that voice in your ear that when you know you've made a misstep, what he's doing is he's sustaining us in those moments by by bringing those things to our remembrance. You know, all the things that I have told you, well, what has he told you? I mean, there's a question you can meditate on. What has the Lord told you in the last month as you've read through the Scripture? I mean, I don't think it'd be too hard for us to come up with a couple of things that maybe, well, you know, I never saw that before. Maybe I ought to pay a little attention to this. One, for instance, for us, Psalm 91. We've been reading a book, Mary and I, about another survivor of the genocide in Rwanda. And one of the Psalms that they would recite to get them through the terrible things they were on was Psalm 91 where God made promises that he would protect his people. Mm. So, you know, it just, it's what has he told you? Well, he's told you a lot. If you spend time looking for the, these things in the scripture, we may talk about that later. It's really amazing. And he's done it for, well, just go ahead and bring it out now because it's on, it's on my mind to do it. And it kind of fits right here as well where Christ says in verse 1 of John 16, I have said these things to you. And that's the key little phrase right there is these things. You start looking for these things. I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. Or another version will say to keep you from stumbling. I like that. He's told us these things to keep us from what? From stumbling. Well, what are they? Well, if you don't know, then you have a golden opportunity to go back. You can go into 17 and back, particularly through like chapters 15 and 14 and even into 13 of John and start looking for the things that he has told you. He says, you know, he says, he tells him, you know, be not afraid. It is I or uh, you know, let not your heart be troubled. Those kind of things. So that verse that I just read, uh, uh, John fourteen twenty six. And I, I kept reading after I read that, and I just want to put this sure, in here. Sure, You know, this is Jesus talking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. But do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Yeah. So that's exactly what you're talking about. That's awesome. Yeah. What has he told you? Well, he's told you a lot. Uh, you know, um, one of the things he told me that I, he didn't tell me, I only read it. It's in his word, and it was just through Paul's writings. Uh, first, and I'll talk about this probably again, but First Corinthians uh, 6, I think it's 17, he says that he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Well, I went into orbit because I had always either learned by default, I don't know anybody who taught me out loud, but I kind of learned by default that there was two entities in there trying to duke it out for my life. Mm, right. Right? I mean, you've heard that story about the right. old the wolf story, whatever it is. But the truth is, if you're in him, if you're if Christ is in you, then he's one you're one spirit with him, not two. And I just went into orbit because that that took a lot of that struggle away because I didn't worry anymore about being having two spirits. I had one spirit. It was in Christ. So he you know, that's something that he told us and he says here in John, I've told you these things that you not stumble. Mm-hmm. See, I, I think that's so cool. God, you know, he's really looking out for us. He doesn't mm-hmm. want us to stumble. And to keep us from that, he's given us some precious things here in the Word. So all of those things, combined with many others that we could talk about, what they do is they, they sustain us. They maintain that, that spark or that little seed of life that we have. So, yeah, so, so as we continue to walk in that, and we have that promise. Another one uh, maybe we could go to quickly here is 2 Timothy uh, 1.14. 
Um, I've got that jotted down here as something to buttress this point with, maybe. We can get there. Should have had them written down, but okay, I think I'm getting close here. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Spirit which dwelleth in us. There you go. Keep by the Holy Spirit that does what? Dwells in us. So we're sustained by that. And that's what keeps us going. In other words, sustain is just being kept going. Now, you could make an argument, and I've done that in the past, and that's a whole other sermon, which you probably won't get into here. But there's a difference in being sustained and satisfied, and we may talk about that more in some, some future time. It's great to be sustained, but it's really great to be satisfied, right? Mm. And when we're satisfied... That's, that's that's just really good. It doesn't get a whole lot better. And we don't. We, there's no lack. We don't sense a lack that there's something that we're missing. Yeah, you don't need anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And really, when you think about Christ, if you have Him, you know it's, the Scripture is full. You know, you have all the, all your spiritual needs are met. Mm-hmm. You have the complete package in Him. You know, First Corinthians one thirty is made into us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And there's just no addition that needs to be made to that you got the whole thing and yet we tend to live our lives at times as if some of this or most of this isn't even true of us because for whatever reason we've let it slip we've it's it's failed from our memory for the moment but not for long if you know him because the spirit's there he'll remind you he said these things to you so you won't stumble Hmm. amen yeah Yeah, that's cool okay so so the next letter up here is you. And that we've suggested is unified as one with God and Son. And that's out of John seventeen eleven, And John 17 is like the ground zero, right, for being one with Jesus. And it's just shot through with, with being one with him. I think I counted one time there's like five or six places in that scripture where he says, uses the word one. And every time it's, it's, it's in connection with being one with him. Uh, there are some that are, you know, that are just really, uh, you know, they just make you stop and think, can this really be true of me? And it is if you're in him. And um, one of those is um, John 17, 11 says, and I am no longer in the world, Jesus speaking, but they're in the world and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. Right. Hmm. And you just go, no. No. I, really? Maybe somebody needs to tell God and Jesus who I really am. You know, they haven't walked with me around a whole day. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. No. What does it say? As we are. Now, can you imagine any tighter relationship between Jesus and the Father? Right. Mm. No. Right. There isn't. Well, the, Jesus would have us to understand here that that's exactly where we are, what we have in him. We're united with, with, with the Son, just like he and the Father are united. United as one with God and Son. And, and it's, just, it's just, you can just meditate on that for a long time. And he says, keep them by the power of your name. And, you know, he, he, so then we can move on down here for a couple more that are really good. And this, John 17 will just, you know, just make you a, a really blessed person. If you'll just read it and meditate, get under a tree somewhere and just let it soak into your pores. It's just so good about us being one with him. Uh, 20, 17, 20. Do not ask for the thing, for these things. I do not ask for these things only, excuse me, for those 
who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and they also may be one in us. And here's the reason. So the world may believe that you have sent me. See, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. Think about that. The glory that you have given me. So you think about us having that kind of glory? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, we have real difficulty, you know, feeling that. And yet, this is Jesus talking. Um, that they may be one. You know, it's I and them and you and me may be perfect in one. So, and then this one right down here is another one that just says a real singer here. It just makes you think. Verse 23, I and them, you and me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world, I, I said that. And then he said that you sent and loved them even as you have loved me. So, again, think about, if you can, imagine that connection that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And Jesus loves you as much as he loves God. And I have real trouble with just letting that permeate me and realizing that I'm united to that degree mm-hmm. with God the Father and God the Son. I just, I'm, I'm just like, whoa, God, you, you don't, you know, walked in my sneakers. The truth yeah. is, He has and right. He knows. Okay, we got to go quick here. The last one, satisfied. Here we are, Mike, with what you're talking about a while ago. Satisfied by the fullness of life in Christ Jesus, the verse you quoted mm-hmm. was exactly the right one. Do you still have it up? Yep. Read it again. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that, through the one. You know, mm-hmm. through the one. And when he says the one, we know he's talking about, but I find it often, and in the circles that we move in, and maybe you do too, and we even get caught up in it ourselves, we always tend to put fulfillment or satisfaction or fullness or all that off to a future time. Mm. And, and there are some theological things we could talk about, which we won't, that tend to promote that type of, an, of view. Right. It's all future. Mm. You know, it's, there's a payday someday. It's all future. Right. Well, what about, you know... What about, I think it was, um, even Mike used to say things like, well, I know I'm going to be saved from hell at some point. But what about the hell I'm in today? Yeah. You know, the daily hell that I walk in. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this isn't right. That's not right. The kids are this. The job is that. Whatever the case might be. But this scripture would have us to realize that we can reign in. Life is now. Life is here. Life is yeah. today. Yeah, it doesn't say reign in heaven. No. It says reign in life. Right. Well, so when, when is that? That's now. Yeah. So I want to know him in the now. I want him to know me in the now. And if I'm plugged into him at that level, guess what? It's not going to, the only change is, is maybe location. You know? I mean, we're here. He's there. But someday we're going to be face-to-face with him. Mm-hmm. And, and it'll, be, it'll just be a location. It'll be, it'll be, a, it'll be a, a time we can fellowship face-to-face with this one Jesus who, who has done all these things for us, has justified us, has executed our old self on the cross, sustains us by his Spirit, who has made us united with himself and the Father. And because of all that, guess what? We have the opportunity to say amen and be satisfied in the life that we have in Christ. And it's not as easy as it sounds, I'll be the first to admit, because we all struggle with it at times. But the truth is the truth, and it's right here before us. And when we get to the level where we're no longer waiting for that satisfaction and learn to walk in it today, that's a brand new day. Amen. That'll change your life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, 
um, you just you just kind of I don't know. I hate to say feeling sorry, but you, but you do feel for people who are always who are always struggling for for. And I know there's a lot to come in the Christian experience in the life. Christ's coming back and all that. Amen. But there's a certain part of it that we can enjoy here and now. And we need to. Because if we do, then again, we can rest in that. And then we can reveal that to those around us. And they'll say, man, you know, it's like it's like uh, Ian Thomas used to say on one of his book, The Saving Life of Christ. Mm. They're going to knock on your door and say, I've been watching you. What, how, what makes you tick? How do you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is it about you? We've been watching you. And they are. They're watching. So so when you notice that in somebody, I mean, how many times have you done it? Well, you know, you could be with the family, see a family, you know, in a store or whatever. And you just kind of tell. Those people are probably squared away with the Lord. Yeah, Or at least know they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the whole key, right? It's, Absolutely. It's the key to walking in faith yeah. is, is remembering and knowing to daily remember that you're right with Christ. Amen. Because if you think that you're, I can't think of anything more miserable than being a Christian and not thinking you're right with Christ. Or, or always wondering. Yeah. Am I good enough today? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, there is one more thing here. And, and oh, the, um, so then there's a, there's a classic scripture that I don't want to leave out. And we don't, it's Romans 8, 1 says, there's now no therefore condemnation of those who are in Christ. But we're not used to that. As far as, that that scripture Romans eight one there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ that that no condemnation thing that's a that's really foreign to us when you think about it we're not used to living in a universe where there's no condemnation because it's all around us right mm-hmm. we're just we're just not used to that even from ourselves yeah exactly we're just not we're not equipped and, and without the spirit particularly. To live in a universe where there's no condemnation. That's what he says. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And we we struggle with that. But it's true. Let me just say, Tracy, this is a very important message. And this is something that I think that the early church reminded each other of constantly. And it's something that we need to remind each other of constantly. It's Mm -hmm. something that the world just tries to beat us down and, and tell us, no, you're not good enough. And for us to remember that we're justified in, in yep. Christ and that we're no longer dead in sin and we're, that, we've been being, that we've been made righteous and holy and uh, we're a royal priesthood. These are things that we need to, to remind our brothers and sisters in the Lord about constantly. And that's, I think that's what it means to encourage each other in the faith. Absolutely. And, you know, by anybody that listens, I mean, like always, copy it right. You know, sp- spread it, get yeah. it out there, because uh, I think we're we're we need to know just the simple facts of the gospel. And when you f- when you run across them, just believe them. Yeah. Just take the word at face value. And you could say that about a lot of other scriptures that may be more negative. I I understand that, but we're talking here about being in Christ, Him and us, and what that means for our daily life and the ability to to uh, get on here in a way that's joyful, Amen. as much as possible. Yeah, and I liked it a lot, uh, just listening to it. It just reminds me so much of how God, how easy he made it for us, yeah. you know. And we're the ones who always foul it up and make it more difficult yeah. than it needs to be. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah. So that was great. Thank you for sharing that. And if it's okay with you, I will put it on the website 
uh, under free resources, just that write-up you have of it says Jesus, and then it gives you all the scripture on there. Yeah. If you're okay with that, I'll have that on the free resources on abidinglife.com. And uh, I think that's it. Thanks, guys, for coming and I was sharing that. That was, I can't wait to listen to that again. Thank you, Noah, for having us. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. Thanks.